Well, amen. God is faithful, is he not? Amen. Well, I'm excited to be with all of you this morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Adam Crawford, um, and I have had the privilege of being the middle school director here for the past uh, almost five years, actually. It'll be five years um, this coming April, which is just crazy for me to think about. Um, Just all of the good things that I have been able to see God do um, over the last five years, and just being able to be a part of um, your students' lives, and for many of you who are students in here today, um, whether middle school or high school, like, I'm just so glad. I can't tell you how thankful I am um, to just be able to be a part of just a a small piece of of your life um, and hopefully can just continue to to point you to Jesus. Um, And and I I get to be a part of a great team of leaders and volunteers and people here who continue to pour into students and want to see them grow. Um, And and we get to come alongside families here and and just continue to pour in. Um, And so I feel like I have been blessed uh, to be able to be here. And I'm excited to speak to you this morning. Um, I I have to be honest with you. I feel much more comfortable um, here in this service because I know so many more of you. Like, like this, you're my people. Like, this is, you guys are, you guys are it. Like, especially in this area over here, like, most of you students that are here, like, I'm just excited to be able to to speak um, and to, to teach from God's word this morning. So, I think as Thanksgiving um, kind of gets ready to kick up this week, uh, most of us have family traditions that we get to participate in. And for my family, one of our kind of family traditions that as we get back together for the holidays or just different kinds of things, um, my mom always pulls out the old home videos. Um, and so this has happened like for as long as I can remember. At first, uh, it was we, we pulled out the old reel like my, gran- my grandparents had it. We'd set up the projector screen and they'd take the reel of film and they'd put it up there and we'd like go through the slides and be like, this is our family at the Grand Canyon and this is our family. And so we just get to look back and, and remember. Um, and one of our, well, we say, I say our, but my family's favorite um, films to watch um, happens to be of me riding a bicycle at the age of four years old. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, I just learned how to ride my bike, um, and I was so excited. I couldn't wait to, to show my grandparents. Um, they lived just a block away from us, and so we loaded my bike up in the van and, and drove the 30 seconds to their house, um, and, and we unloaded. And, and so I am riding my bike, and I'm, I'm showing off a little bit, and I'm just like, Grandpa, Grandma, look at me. Uh, and I, I'm just having a good old time. And my mom is recording, so she's got her old video recorder, the one you you're holding it, looking into it like this, and she's panning as I am driving, riding my bike, really, from sidewalk to driveway and back, um, kind of giving out instruction of, hey, make sure you use the sidewalk, uh, turn around in next neighbor's driveway, and you can hear her talking. And then as I, as I come by, I begin to make a, another pass of the camera, and you hear my mom go, hey, Adam, maybe you should slow down, be careful, and all you hear is me go, I'm fine. And that's when you see my body and my bike heading towards my neighbor's fence. And inevitably, you hear a, a big thud, um, a squeal, and my mom goes, <gasps> and drops the camera, and it goes black, and there's nothing. And so you can imagine what happened. I'm fine. I don't need to listen to you. I, I was like, I've got this. I told, I'm, I'm good. Everything's going great. I'm, I'm doing awesome. Um, and at that moment that I do not listen to the instruction um, of my mom, I, 
run into my neighbor's wooden fence, scream, and now it is a classic home video that we will enjoy for years to come. And so uh, I think for a lot of us, though, in in that story, I, I think that for many of us, we find ourselves in that position more often than we think, where things in our lives may be going well, Um, Maybe uh, nobody in our family is sick. Um, Everything is going well for our kids at school. Um, Our our parents are doing well. Um, Finances are not really an issue. Um, And and we find ourselves just blessed beyond measure by who God is um, and the things that he's given us. But in the midst of that, I think we have this attitude sometimes of, I'm fine, right, as we are on our way to crashing. And, and I think that that happens more often than we think. And so this morning, we're going to be in, in Deuteronomy 8. And I'm excited to, to dig into this passage of Scripture with you because I think that this, um, I think God's Word has a lot to say to us. Uh, and I have the privilege of, of speaking and, and teaching God's Word, usually in the middle school room. Um, but I'm excited to dig into this passage of Scripture with, with all of you today. So our, our theme for this morning is going to be um, Remember. And so that's where we're going. So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the one that's in front of you. Um, And also, hey, if if this is your first time here with us, we're glad that you're here. Um, I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you um, just enjoy this morning and that your heart is drawn closer to to who God is um, and what he's done for you. uh, And that from from this place you leave here um, worshiping um, who God is and, and what he's done. So I'm actually, bear with me, I'm going to read this, this whole chapter for us um, because I, I think that God's word um, is important. Uh, and, and so we're going we're gonna to dig into this. Verses 1 through 20. Here we go. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out into valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper." And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning. I pray that now as we dig in and as we, as we walk through this, that you would speak to us. Would you give us ears to hear, um, hearts um, that are easily moldable and, and, and ones that are, are humble, um, and that we would just continue to, to listen and, and want to be changed by your word. God, thank you for all that you do. Amen. So here in this passage in Deuteronomy 8, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites, and they are on the cusp of entering the promised land. God's people, they, they were led out of Egypt, out of slavery um, by Moses, and then they get to the promised land, and, and, and we know what happens. They, they look at it, and they go, uh, I don't know, we're not going to be able to get in. And so because of their attitudes and their hearts and their un, unfaithfulness um, and their unwillingness to trust in God, he sends them to the, to the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and really, this wilderness experience is a, is a refining and a testing time, um, as we're going to see. And so they have gone through these 40 years now, and they are on the brink of entering this good land where it looks like everything is going to be provided for them. Everything that they could ever want or need is there. And so Moses speaks to them, and he says, remember where God has taken you. Remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. He says in verse two, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. He says, don't remember, don't remember just some of it. Remember all of it. And I think that's important for us as well, that as we look back, as we think about what God has done, that we remember everything that he has done. We're called to that. He says, remember where you came from. Remember God's provision for you. He reminds them of the fact that he humbled you, verse three, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. He, he reminds them, remember how God provided for you when you had nothing in the wilderness. You literally, like we didn't even know where our next meal was gonna come from and God provided this manna for you to eat every single morning for breakfast. This was something that was unknown to the Israelites. It just showed up um, every single morning and God continued to be faithful and provide um, what they needed. Remember God's provision. 
Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. It says not only did he continue to provide for you, even your clothes didn't wear out. And, and so it's, it's cool. Jesus begins to talk about this in Matthew. He says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. He says, man, if, if God takes care of his creation in this way, how much more will he take care of you? How much more will he provide for you? And how much more has he provided for you? So he says, remember how he has provided for you. In verse five, he says, remember God's teaching that this wilderness experience wasn't just something for you to walk through and say, wow, I'm glad that's over, never gonna remember that. And you walk into the promised land arrogant and somehow thinking that you deserve it. He says, no, God brought you through this wilderness to humble you, to refine you, to teach you. I think that almost every single one of us in this room, we could look back and we think of those valley moments. We think of those moments in our life where we're just like, man, what is going on? Where it really was, every single day, we felt like we, we needed to cling to who God is and his promises for our life. Maybe that's you this morning. And you think of, I need, I need him. And it's in those moments that, that God teaches us and he shows us his character all the more. And so Moses says, don't let this teaching experience in the wilderness be something that you forget. He did this not just so that you would remember it. In verse six, he says, so that you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. The, the remembrance of, of what he has taught you shouldn't just be, oh, that's nice. Like It should affect who you are. It should bring about change in your heart and in your life. Obey the Lord. Fear him. Follow Jesus. Verse seven through nine, he, he begins to point through, remember also where he is taking you. Remember where he's taking you. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. And he lists here all of these things. And, and to think of this people group that has walked through, God's people, Israel, walking through the desert, becoming nomads. Like, you, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. You're constantly setting your tents up, putting them down, carrying them, moving to another location, looking for the next little spring, looking for the next little area to go. And he says, you get to plant yourself here in this space where everything is provided for you. You don't have to worry about where you're gonna go next to find water or food. Not only is there water and food, but there's honey and olive trees and all of these good, like, things that we would say are above and beyond what we would even need to survive. Remember where he's taking you. And I think that these first nine verses lead us to, to this 10th verse, which I think is really kind of the, the crux of this passage, where we are called to be thankful. And so this is what verse 10 says. It says, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now, in terms of Thanksgiving coming up this week, 
Um, I think about it this way. I think for almost all of us in here, it's pretty common for our families um, to, to pray together before the meal, especially Thanksgiving. Um, uh, in our family, during Thanksgiving, it was always um, like the oldest. Um, so usually it was my grandpa um, who would pray for us uh, and, and bless the meal. And, and we would thank God for providing for us and giving us good things. And, and so in the midst of that, though, we would eat and be full. But here... Moses says, you shall eat and be full, and then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. How many of you, after the, the tryptophan kind of sets in a little bit, grandpa's sleeping, snoozing on the couch, um, kids are kind of off doing their own thing. How many of you, after the meal, is it typical in our households for us to be gathered back up after the meal and say, hey, we want to pray again, and we want to thank God for the meal that now that we've eaten? I think that's not something, that's, that was never a common practice in my household. Um, but I think it's just interesting that it's not before you receive it, but it's after. He says, remember to bless the Lord and be thankful for the good things that he's given you. I think there's many situations in our lives that we go through where, where we are desperate in prayer. Where we cry out to God and we say, God, I don't know what's going on. I, I need you here. I need this. I need you Help me. Maybe even just in our, our common prayers where, where we ask God and we say, man, I, I have this friend who needs a job or I have this friend who is sick. God, would you heal them? Um, God, would you, would you teach me this? Would you help me in this situation? Um, and, and we pray beforehand, but very quickly we forget after the fact when God answer the, answers those prayers, I think we're quick to forget. I think it's easy for us to ask and God answers and we just kind of go, oh yeah, okay, great. And I think that we miss it sometimes. And so being thankful is important. Because I think thankfulness humbles us. And it turns our heart and it puts it in the right place. So verse 11, here he says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I have commanded you today. He goes on, he says, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply, then your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. How dangerous is that for us? Especially here in this place. There's not many times that I can recall, actually really none, where I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, where I woke up in the morning and, and I, I honestly prayed, God, give me my daily bread. Because all I had to do was walk down the stairs and open the cupboard. And it was there. And it's in that provision that you become so accustomed to those things that you forget that God has given you these good things. He says, be careful because pride will consume you. Your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. The danger in this is that we would forget what God has done and we say, I did this. This was my doing. Because it's in the midst of that where you ride past and you go, I'm fine. And you are setting yourself up for a fall. 
Only the fool thinks that he, is, he has gained his own wealth and that God hasn't given it to him. And your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, verse 15, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you and do you, to do you good in the end. He says, I've brought you through these things for your good. I've brought you through this to do you good in the end, and the good in the end is that you would turn around and thank God for what he's given you, that that your end result would be worship and praise and rejoicing and thankfulness for what God has done. Because here's the thing, I think whenever we don't do this, I think it results in, in discontentment. I think the, the longer that we go in between opening our mouths and praising God for who he is and thanking him for what he's done, we quick, how quickly do we become discontent? How many of us on a daily basis walk to our, our kitchen, open our refrigerator and go, man, there's nothing in here. And it's funny because it's true, but at the same time, is your fridge really empty? Is there nothing there? We have food. It just may not be the specific thing that you want. But we are provided for. And if we're not careful, we become so discontent with the things that we have that we begin to look, our eyes begin to wander to other things. It's so easy. And for my heart as well, whenever we find ourselves on the mountaintop, this happened to me this past summer where I just felt like everything was going well. Like no one was sick in my family. I, I come home and, and I love hanging out with, with my wife, Brittany, um, and we have an almost two-year-old, Leland, who is just He's crazy and fun and silly and, and I love getting to spend time with him and it's just like I felt like I was coming home and, and things were good. And then it, it just hit me after a few weeks of this that I, I hadn't even stopped once to say, God, thank you for the things that you've given me. It was, like I, it was like I somehow began to believe that I deserved these things that were given to me, which is the opposite of true. Because if we believe what scripture says, what we ultimately deserve is death. But by God's grace and Jesus' blood on the cross, that's not what we get. And it's amazing. And so we wonder, how do we, how do we fix this? Paul writes about this. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me but had no opportunity not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So often this, this verse is applied to a lot of different things, but what Paul is talking about here is the fact that regardless of if I have more than enough or if I have nothing, the way that I get through every single day is by Christ's strength alone and not mine. 
Usually this verse gets plastered on um, the back of a, a t-shirt with our, with our sports team on the front um, or on the side of our cleats or we write the verse down and, and it's like, that's not, that's, not what, that's not where this is going. Paul is talking about whenever I have nothing, it's him who gives me strength. And even when I have more than enough, I remember who is the one who gave me the things that I have. If we're not careful, we'll forget. Pride will consume us and discontent will be something that settles in. And that changes the way that we even act around our family members. When we're discontent, when we're always wanting more, nothing is ever good enough. And we forget the good things that God has given us. Maybe the good things that you have are sitting right next to you or in your lap this morning. Maybe the good things that God has given you are, are, are playing over in the nursery this morning. And that's the best gift that God could give you. How quick are we to forget? How quick are we to, to get caught up in trying to figure out what else we can get and what else we can have that, that we, we fail to remember that we already have so much? How many times have we become discontent or disgruntled or even maybe annoyed at God because he's not answering this one prayer that we continue to toss up to him, forgetting that he's already answered a thousand. It's easy, and I do it too. It's easy if we don't continually run back to this and remember what he's done. It's easy for us to look around us the writer here says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. We look and we say, man, that person's not even following Jesus. And look at all the nice stuff that they have. I put it before you because the end result of following Jesus is not getting nice stuff. It's dying to yourself and giving your life away. He goes on in verse 16. says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. And so Moses gives his final warning here. In verse 19, or sorry, 18, he says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Don't forget who gives you the strength to even wake up in the morning, to go to work, to provide for your family. It's him. Every good gift is him. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of these things that we receive from him are good, and I can't imagine my life without them. I don't know, how, how, I don't know what I would do. So he says in verse 19, and if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord. 
he ends here with this warning. He says, please, please don't forget what God has done for you. Please don't forget all of the good things that he's given you. Don't forget where he's taken you. Don't forget how he's provided for you. Don't forget what he's taught you. Don't forget where you're going. We're, we're in the midst of, of wrapping up this series that Mike has been walking us through on, on Revelation. We know where we're going. We know the end. And it's good. It is good. And so, what do we do? Here are three things I, I think that we can continue to, to practice and, and do. I think we encourage one another. I think as our attitude and our, our hearts change because of our constant thankfulness to who God is, it, it changes the way that we interact with one another. It should help us to want to be people that encourage each other. 2 Peter 1.5 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. How many of us does this verse become so applicable during the holidays? Where when we are surrounded at the dinner table by our family who may not know Jesus, our initial reaction is to ignore them and to dread the fact that we even have to be around them at Christmas time or Thanksgiving. It should not be the case. We should have these things. If we forget where we came from, what God has done for us, man, then we've missed it. Don't forget that even though the people that you may be frustrated with or the people that you say, man, what, like, what is going on with them or, or what's happening or that person needs Jesus, don't forget that you at one point also needed Jesus. That you at one point were dead in your sin. Don't forget the grace and mercy that he's poured out on you because when you remember those things, it changes the way that you see other people, especially non-believers. It should change the way that you interact around them, at your family, around the dinner table, at your workplace, on your teams, in your schools, everywhere that we are. It should change everything. We remember to encourage one another and we preach God's word. We hear God's word too. That's why it's so important that we do this every Sunday. We come here to hear God's word, to be taught, to be reminded of what he's done for us. 2 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. How true is that? We come here to remember, to be taught from God's word, to worship him, 
And not only that, but I think the third thing for us that we need to continue to do is tell your story. Tell other people what God has done for you. Because he has done more than we could have ever hoped or imagined. He's rescued you. He's saved you. He's given you new life. That old you, your old self, is gone. The new has come. Because of what Jesus did, your sins are forgiven. They're gone. And we're new. And that should be the thing that changes us. That should be something that we want to tell other people about. And so we'll close here in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, this is 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do not forget where you come from. Don't forget the way that God has loved you and rescued you. Because if you do, pride is waiting. Discontent will eat away at you. And we're called to be light and salt. And how if we are prideful and discontent with the things that God has already given us, are we going to do that? So tell your story. Tell other people what God has done for you. Here in just a minute, we have the beautiful privilege of, of participating um, in, in baptism uh, of, of a few of our, of our folks here, um, some of them students as well that, that I know and love, um, profess their faith, and they are sharing with you this morning, God has rescued me. Baptism is a beautiful picture of, of Christ's death and resurrection and how we identify with him in that. We say, it is because of him that I'm made new. It's because of him that I have life. And I want to tell everyone about that. I want to identify with him. And we get to celebrate together what God is doing, not just in our lives, but in others' lives as well. God is moving. He's always at work. And what a joy that we get to participate in his kingdom work. Remember, let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Would you help us to be a people that remembers you? Would you help us to be a people that does not forget the things that you've done for us? Would we be content, especially this holiday season, this Thanksgiving season, with the things that you've given us? Would we be thankful 
would our thankfulness result in humility and worship of who you are. We love you. Amen.